stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. If you think of Canada like a like a house, if you live in a, a house, you've got some some rights, for lack of a better word. Uh, some reasonable expectation about what you can and can't do, what you can get away with. But if you're just visiting the house, if you don't live there, it's pretty simple. Right? You follow the rules of the house. Or you're going to be asked to leave. Or if you enter the house under false pretenses, you may be asked to leave. And that, that's kind of how it works here. If you're not a citizen, you're a permanent resident even, visitor to this country, somewhere in between, you may be deported. If you come to Canada and you break the law, we're probably going to ask you to leave. If you lie about your background, and that comes to light, like if you were, say, a member of a terrorist organization back in your home country, you may be asked to leave. This is pretty straightforward. This is how it's, it's always been. You get deported from Canada, which means you leave. You're gone. You're finished. You're out of here. You don't get to stay. Uh, but investigation by Global News has found that in recent years, it's become more difficult, it seems, to deport, actually deport people from the country. Not as though fewer people are being ordered deported. It's just the drop is on the number of people who have actually physically been removed from the country. So the end result, then, as you can imagine, is we got people here who shouldn't be here. That's a problem. Stuart Bell the national investigative journalist with Global News, globalnews.ca. And he joins us on the line here this afternoon. Stuart, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the program. My pleasure. I think people have some vague understanding of how this all works. Someone who's a non-citizen is convicted of a crime and uh, is ordered deported out of the country. But uh, it's not quite so simple, is it? No, I mean, we've been hearing a lot, especially since last year, from the government about uh, security screening and how, no, no matter who comes here, they're subject to rigorous screening. But the question is what happens after people are identified as being inadmissible for uh, for being criminals or whatever. So we looked at the four big categories um, that lead to deportation, and it's basically crime, serious crime, um, as well as uh, terrorism, uh, organized crime, and uh, war crimes, basically. So those are the four key uh, categories that can lead, they're called serious inadmissibility, lead to your deportation. They're supposed to be a priority of the government. What we found, though, is that the, uh, the actual deportations happening in those categories have been really sliding, especially in the last uh, three to five years or so. So there's, a, there's fewer and fewer people being deported in those categories. Uh, and so there's this growing population of people who are supposed to be deported for those reasons, but are are still here, and some of them just sort of living ordinary Canadian-type lives in neighborhoods, owning homes, and that kind of thing. Right. So as you say, the number of people actually being deported is dropping, but the number of people who have been ordered to be deported, that hasn't really gone down at all, has it? No, it's it's been fairly stable, and it's actually even gone up a little bit in the last year. So it's not that's not the explanation. The explanation is that they're they're just having increasing trouble uh, actually getting rid of those that they're identifying through security screening. 
So again, and as you say, it's not just those who have committed a crime in Canada. It, it can be someone who's lied about their past in order to get into Canada. Evidence emerged of criminal activity or human rights violations or even war crimes in their previous country. That would be sufficient grounds potentially to deport somebody. Yeah, it's really both under the law. So if um, you come to Canada and you're found to have, for example, been a member of a terrorist group or committed war crimes abroad, or you know, if you have a criminal past, um, that would exclude you. At the same time, if you do come to Canada, like the fellow that we profiled in our story today, um, if you do come to Canada and commit serious crimes and you're not a citizen, you are subject to deportation. So it's it's really both. Um, and in you know, and for for reasons that we're trying to explore, um, those types of removals are are really down, and. The best we could um, come up with in terms of an explanation is that the main problem seems to be uh, foreign governments that are not basically not allowing their own citizens to come back if they're under deportation orders. Right, that they'd rather it be Canada's problem. Yeah, I mean, before before the government can actually deport someone, they need to get a travel document from the country that they're removing the person to, so a passport or whatever. Um, but it, there's a number of countries that uh, either take a long time to process those types of applications or just don't do it. They just refuse. And you, you can understand why, I guess, uh, if somebody is, is one of your citizens is being coming back and they're, they've been labeled a security risk or a criminal uh, if they've committed those types of things, you don't necessarily want them back in your country. I mean, you're, the countries are obliged by international law to, to you know, take back their own citizens when they come back. But um, some of these countries just just won't do it. Well, I guess from from our perspective too, there are some countries that we're reluctant to send people to. Yeah, I mean that's another explanation for why some people don't get removed. Is <clears throat> our law uh, does not allow us to deport people to countries where they there's a substantial risk they're going to be uh, tortured or mistreated uh, unless you know th- there is a qualifier in that and that's if i mean basically when someone's being removed they have to do a balancing act under the law between the risk that that person faces in their own country and the danger that they pose in canada so the those two interests are balanced and it either tips one way or the other well, you alluded to this. You, you tracked down one individual uh, in Scarborough, I believe, someone who was convicted of aggravated assault and ordered deported 15 years ago, is still in Canada. In fact, in the interim, has been charged and convicted of other crimes. Why is he still here? Well, that's a good question. Um, yeah, and he, this is a classic, it just seems to be a classic example of um, just the way the system moves so incredibly slowly. Uh, this fellow came here from Sudan in 2003. He'd only been here about 10 months when he committed a very serious crime, uh, an aggravated assault that left the victim uh, unconscious. He was apparently beaten with a, a piece of wood. And um, this fellow was uh, was convicted, and because he was not a Canadian, he was brought before the refugee board and was ordered deported. But... Um, he just never was, and we found him 15 years later living in subsidized housing in Toronto. Uh, and in, in the interim, between the time of that first crime 
that led to his deportation order. And today he's committed dozens more crimes, including uh, a sexual assault. And he's uh, he's actually up on trafficking charges now that are going to court next year. Um, but there's a, there's a variety of things that complicated this. And one is that his deportation took so long that his country, Sudan, split into two. It's now two countries, Sudan and South Sudan. So that's an issue. Which do they send them to? Uh, And that kind of feeds into the primary issue, which is they can't get a travel document for him. They've been trying to send him to Sudan is one of the countries that does not issue travel documents. It's um, Canada's had troubles with the country for a while. Uh, And South Sudan, uh, similarly, if you go to their website of the, uh, the embassy of South Sudan, it explicitly says, we do not accept, uh, deportees coming from Canada, uh, criminal deportees. So there you are. And, uh, he, you know, he can't be removed because of this travel document issue. And so he's stuck, uh, in Canada. And how much we can do about it. And it's really, you know, it's, it's really fair, unfair on, both sides, you look at it. I mean, on the one hand, uh, Canadians are having to live alongside people that have really relinquished their right to live here by committing serious crimes against Canadians. And uh, on the other hand, um, the deportees themselves, the system is so ploddingly slow that they end up uh, years and sometimes decades going through this sort of uncertain uh, and this uncertainty of not knowing if they're going to be deported, if they have to go back to their home country, or if they'll be allowed to stay. So the system as it is really doesn't serve anybody very well. So what what kind of a, a reaction have you, you received or comment from uh, the Public Safety Department? This would be their department, wouldn't it? Yeah, they um, weren't exactly open about uh, talking about the issue. Uh, or explaining it, um, we did get some some data from them that showed the um, some of the explained some of the difficulties they're having in terms of the countries that they can't get uh, travel documents for. Um, but they don't they weren't really willing to even acknowledge it was a problem. They simply um, the statements that they sent to us simply said things like, um, "Well, the numbers fluctuate from year to year." Well, that's true, but they've been fluctuating in a downward fashion quite dramatically for the past five years in terms of the re- removals that are happening uh, declining steadily. Um, so there, there is something going on here, and um, the government doesn't seem that enthusiastic about talking about it. Well, much more, as mentioned, at globalnews.ca. Stuart, thanks for making some time for us here today. appreciate it. Thank you. All right, there you go. Stuart Bell, a national investigative journalist with Global News, globalnews.ca. So you can read more there. And I think there's more coming tomorrow as well. Uh, so, yeah, this is a problem. I, a lot of people are pointing on the text. Well, if, we, if there are countries that won't issue travel documents, then maybe we shouldn't take people from those countries in the first place. Well, maybe we could do that. Uh, it doesn't change the fact that we've got those people here right now. The problem, and there may be legitimate refugees or even legitimate immigrants from those countries where we don't have an issue. But yeah, we run into these situations where, okay, we need the other country to issue travel documents. They're not going to. Now what do we do? It would be nice if, uh, you know, in between borders of countries, we just had like back alleys. We just kind of kick you out the door. 
you're gone. You're out of our country. You're not in any country. You're just, you're out there. You figure it out. That's not an option either. 974-8255. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.